Hey everybody, welcome back to the Brews and Belters podcast where we talk all things soccer while sipping on a few of our favorite local brews. I'm Keegan Gowitz. Tonight I'm drinking a... We're bringing out the Oktoberfest, Toby. I'm drinking the Oktoberfest from Third Space Brewing, which we featured several of their beers um, throughout the years. They're here in Milwaukee. Um, 6.0%. It's pretty good. Whoa. I feel like Third Space is like a, a pretty good-sized brewery here in Milwaukee, pretty popular. I feel like a lot of times Oktoberfest can kind of be almost dumbed down where they're like easier to sip on. Especially where you're at in Milwaukee. Yeah. 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 Um, so there is a little bit of that. Like it's it's pretty easy to drink, which is nice if you're going to have a few of them. Um, I'm looking for a little, maybe a little bit heartier of an Oktoberfest, but it's pretty good overall. With me as always, Tobes. How are you? What you sipping? And you seem to have some thoughts on Oktoberfest. So I do. So it is Oktoberfest season. That is what I have as well. Bells uh, from, they say Comstock, Michigan, but it was originally Kalamazoo. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a 5.5%, so a little bit less in years. Uh, yeah, let's get the Marzins going. Let's talk some German football. Why not? Unless you're Sadio Mane, you know, you don't even like to grab beers in the pictures that they take. Uh, so that brewery, what was the brewery that your Oktoberfest was? First of all, Sadio's Muslim, all right? He can't. He cannot uh, grab beers. Exactly. Okay, exactly. he's got an excuse. Um, this is Third Space Brewing, very popular here in Milwaukee. So if I visited Milwaukee, would that be the brewery you'd want me to visit? Or is there another one that you prefer more? There's a few. Yeah. Third space is big. Um, Lakeview is, is probably the biggest like craft beer um, uh-huh. brewery. Um, there's a few others though. Eagle river. I mean, most of them I've featured on the pod at some point. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, there's, there's several. I have yet to venture over to Madison actually since living in Wisconsin for almost two years now, I actually uh-huh. have yet to go to Madison. So now that it's college football season, maybe I'll make my way over there. Yeah, you should. Uh, found yeah. the best Korean restaurant I've been to in the States was in Madison, actually. Best wow. kimchi. Yeah, I know, right? So if you're looking for some Korean food, that's the place to go. This is your uh, travel destination uh, podcast, by yeah, the way. Yeah, we don't just do beer here. Nope. And I want to thank all the listeners tonight. This is a milestone for Keegs and I. This is episode number 69, by the way. Nice. Hell Do- yeah. Doesn't matter which way you're facing. It's all good. Sex is dope. Yeah. Sex is tight. <laughs> and also, uh, I think we should pull one out real quick for the queen. You know, I'm not talking about Daenerys Targaryen either. I'm talking about the queen. So pour, <laughs> pour one out for her. And, uh, Some can pour one out. You know, others may uh, others may not partake in that activity. Oh, are you it's talking? A, a, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a big debate here. It's are you ta- are you talking about my great uh, great 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 grandpa from Ireland that uh, probably would be slapping me if I several said that? <laughs> the Irish, um, several Indians, several Africans. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's yeah. a mixed topic. So yeah, who would have thought colonization would be that effective? So. <laughs> Well, here we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? But uh, anyway, we won't we won't dig too deep into uh, to England's past um, and all colonizers for that or, matter as or, or, as Americans <laughs> or or their roster that 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 Southgate just came out or with. the ro- actually yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, we can. I wasn't planning on it, but we I wasn't well. either. But yeah, I mean, we we can. No, the, no, the real no. question is: Is did James Milner or Jordan Henderson make the roster? 
I, I need to know that right now. Well, they have 500 midfielders, so uh, it wouldn't be surprising, really. I'm they brought so to... many midfielders on. Uh, okay, so here it is real quickly. Goalkeepers, Dean Henderson, Nick Pope, and Aaron Ramsdale. I'm kind of mm-hmm. surprised uh, that our Everton love didn't make it, but that's okay. I mean, Hen- Henderson's been playing out of his mind, and so is Nick Pope. Yeah, like- they've both been good. I'm, I am shocked that there's no Pickford. Even if he's not the first choice, I'm really surprised that there's no Pickford. Mm-hmm. Um, defenders, TAA, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Ben Chilwell. Uh, our dude, Connor Cody, made the list. Uh, Eric Dyer gets a quick call-up for Tottenham. Also, uh, yeah, I, I feel like that's deserved. He's looked good this year. I think so, too. Uh, Mark Guillet, Reese James. Uh, Harry Maguire, don't know what the fuck you're doing. Uh, Luke yeah. Shaw, John Stones. Banger. Also don't know what the fuck they're doing with Luke Shaw. No, me neither. I don't think anyone does. I, I, that's why I think this whole roster is just, it's not deserved. It is uh, like the, uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, we'll talk about this in a second. John Stones, Belter Boy himself. Uh, Fakaya Tomori, Kieran Trippier, and then Kyle Walker. Interesting. I heard earlier that Tamori was left off, but yeah, I'm also seeing him on their like. I, I'm on Sky. Website. I'm on Sky Sports right now. Their official Twitter. Handle. Yeah, I'm on EnglandFootball.com right now, and I'm seeing that as well. So yeah. good, good for Tamori. He absolutely it, deserves it. Only dude I could see that got left off that I thought would have been on here that isn't is Ben White. I was expecting him to be above at least Harry Maguire being a center back position, but I, don't know. I guess Harry Maguire still has quite a bit of flex on the roster. Yeah. So midfielders, exactly who we would expect. Jude Bellingham, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice, and James Ward-Prowse. I will say um... – I, I misspoke earlier. I think I said they went midfield heavy. I think I think they went a little bit maybe forward heavy. Um, only only the five midfielders, and I feel like they could have added maybe a few more. I I say give Jamal Musiala a call up. I think he deserves it. Um, but I don't know. I I just feel like they're maybe missing one or two people. I guess some of these forwards can maybe drift back and play the midfield a little bit. When you look at Grealish, Saka, obviously not their natural positions, but maybe they could drift back. I do love getting into the forwards. I do love Tammy Abraham. Me too. Jared yes. Bowen getting the call. He, and then he, Ivan Tony. Yeah, Ivan Tony deserves it. Like he definitely yeah. does. Uh, Jared Bowen, I don't think has been that clutch recently, but he's coming back from an injury and then everything else. Um, but he has been overall a very good soldier for West Ham over the last you know, 12 to 15 months. So, yeah, he ended last season really strong in form. Um, so yeah, good call up there. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm, so like I said, I'm on their website right now. Ivan Tony doesn't even have a, a photo. It's like one of those silhouette pictures. Yeah. That's all they've yeah. got for him. <laughs> Disrespectful as fuck. So I was thinking, uh, Crystal Palace as a should have been on there. Um, that would have been one I would have thought. And uh, I don't think James Madison is and Harvey Barnes were necessarily call-ups, but I do think going into the World Cup, James Madison is probably going to get a call. So I'm surprised he wasn't on this roster, being one of the last yeah. call-ups before the World Cup. But 
Yeah, I could see Madison. Um, I could see Ezzy. I, I think he's probably still a little bit too young and and not experienced in this, uh, you know, in the international environment for what they're looking for, maybe heading into the World Cup. Same with Michael Olise, um, his Crystal Palace teammate. I do love the the Mark Gahey, uh Crystal Palace call-up as a defender. He's played really I, well this year. I do. The only defenders I think that we're missing on this is uh, I don't care who you are. The pace of Kyle Walker is always needed on the roster, and I don't think that they have that right now, so I would appreciate that. And I think uh, Kyle Walker-Peters, the old Tottenham guy playing for South uh, Southampton, I think he's been – uh, pretty deserving as well. Yeah, he's played well. He's played. I I think their their backline in general has played pretty well. Um, I mm-hmm. thought Janepo has been pretty impressive. My dog has a squeaky toy behind me, so no, perfect. Uh, let's let let's yeah, look, yeah. episode sixty nine. Let's just let but it all yeah, out. Yeah, we might as well. We might as well just let loose here. Um, Champions League, obviously no. So to address, um, no no Premier League. Um, obviously all, all matches canceled this week because of the queen's death. And then next week. So I, I still am not completely sure. Are they canceling the matches on Sunday for the funeral? And then they're going to play the one Saturday. Uh, from what I understand is they're playing half the games on Saturday, depending on security and, okay. uh, logistics on some of them. So some of the games are canceled, like Manchester United Leeds was canceled and a couple others, but some of them are still going on. I want to say there's three or four matches going on Saturday, one or two tomorrow. And then I don't think there are any happening on Sunday, but I could be mistaken. I uh, need to pull that up real quick. Um, Yeah, so I'm seeing Brighton and Crystal Palace canceled on Saturday, um, as well as Chelsea, Liverpool, and then Leeds, Man United. There are games, Brentford Arsenal and then Everton West Ham are both playing on Sunday. So there are some games on Sunday, but Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester United, Leeds are both postponed. Um, I think some of that has to do with not enough uh, police security in there. And then yeah, I think was... also where the route of the funeral procession and all that is as well. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Makes so, sense, I guess. Um, hop right into Champions League, Ben. Uh, yeah, that's what I think. Uh, I'm ready to go deep into it. Let's go. Okay, let's let's kick it off then. Um, shall we start with your Tottenham Hotspur? I would prefer not to, but if we're going okay. to, yeah. I mean, real quickly, uh, dude, they just don't have any creativity in the final third. No precision uh, when it comes to anyone at the moment. Like, they're just not clicking on all cylinders. I complained about it last week, even though they were squeaking by with wins. Um, it finally caught up to him. The first loss of the season. Uh, I don't know. Like a lot of people are calling for a benching of human son and let's put Richie and, uh, Kulisevsky up there with, uh, with Kane. But I mean, if anyone watched the game against, uh, sporting Lisbon, uh, Harry Kane looked awful. His touch wasn't good. His passing wasn't accurate. Um, I didn't see his like dribble percentage, uh, creation and I also didn't see his passing uh, percentage completed, but I would assume that they weren't up to his normal standards um, at that like false nine hanging out behind a 10 position that he usually plays. Uh, they just aren't fast enough and direct enough and there's not enough finishing outside of the forward position when it comes to the the wing backs and the midfielders trying to 
trying to score. And yeah, didn't look too good. Uh, did you see any of it? I saw a bit of it. Yeah. I, I mean, it does feel like son isn't his normal self. No. And he was, he was uh, on a heater coming into the season for yeah. Korea, for everyone. So yeah. I'm, I also don't love, so they started out with Benton and Hoybier and, and stuck with them in the midfield for the entire match. And I don't know, maybe it's just because I like Basuma so much, but I, I don't, do you feel like Conte has utilized him enough? Do you feel like he's easing him in? I mean, what are your thoughts around him in general? Because playing a side like sporting, who is pretty technical and, and can be pacey and like tricky at times, I feel like a, a Basuma in there over a Hoybier or even a Benton is just a little bit quicker. Um, a little bit more talented on the ball as well and can be that guy that that creates stuff through the channels. Mm-hmm. I know you got Emerson and Perisic playing in the wingbacks, but I mean Perisic, as talented and deadly as he can be, is aging a little bit. So I just feel like you need a little bit more speed and and a more dynamic player in the middle. And Hoybier isn't super dynamic. He can be pretty stout defensively, um, but not super dynamic or quick. And he's not really going to create a lot through the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, Benton cores is, is similar in that regard. I mean, he could create a little bit more and get around the pitch a bit more, but I still feel like they're missing something without Basuma in there. Uh, I think Eves Basuma is, especially if we get the Brighton player that we were expecting, uh, I think he is the same player as both of the midfielders you were speaking about, speaking of but I think he is a step up in class in both defending pace and then also creativity. Um, but I don't think he is the creative midfielder that like, I think we still need. That was, that was the one thing I, I don't think we addressed during the, during the summer uh, transfer window that I wish we would have. Uh, but with that, I do think Basuma would be a step up from Hoybier, but I think Hoybier is just uh, more, stamped into the uh final roster that uh Conte is using currently with uh because I don't think Emerson Rail is a good right back either. I think Jed Spence in the long run will be a, the option for this year. Um and I think Matt Dar- Doherty would have been as well uh coming off of his ACL injury that he had uh previously last year. So I think once he gets back I think there's gonna be some more competition on that right side. Um I just I just don't know if the middles, the middle and the wing and the right wing are going to be our downfall. Like our defense is actually decent. Like our center backs are good. They're not great, but yeah. they're good. And we don't yeah. really give up goals that much, you know? So like it's not that often. And when we do, it's usually in the 80th minute because Conti doesn't like subbing guys off. I feel like, like, I feel like we, we run with our, our starting 11, the entire game, you know, we maybe have one or two subs. So I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm throwing this on Conti right now and it's definitely not him. Uh, but I, I, I do think the middle should be more creative. Yeah, that is a good point, though. I mean, they've they've added more depth over this summer, a lot more depth, and they've made one sub. He made one substitute in a Champions League match, in a midweek Champions League match, and it was mm-hmm. Hung Min Son that came off, and that's it. So um, that is kind of interesting to have a weapon like Spence, have a weapon like Basuma on the bench have Kulisevsky on the bench for this match and not bring any of them in um, and only make one substitute, especially after going down. Mm-hmm. So yeah, kind of, kind of a question mark around Conte there. Uh, not that I ever doubt 
Antonio, your sweet, sweet Antonio, but um, it was it was kind of strange. So they have three points, Tottenham does, with uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, who uh, looked a little bit better against Marseille, but Sporting's in the lead in that uh, Group D with six points. Uh, uh, Marseille's not looking too hot right now, and uh, I think it's going to be a second place for Tottenham or Frankfurt unless uh, Sporting coughs up something in the long run. But, I mean, they're on two wins back-to-back, so. Yeah, I see Sporting and Tottenham getting through. And Sporting impressed me last week, too. Um, I thought they just looked – I think I said this last week. I think they just looked quicker and more aggressive than Frankfurt. And I, I think Frankfurt seemed on the back heel most of the match. So I think it'll be Tottenham and, and Sporting that go through in that group. Yeah, no, I definitely do, too. Uh, let's Let's just get into what I really want to talk about. Goal of the year, possibly. <sighs> the inevitable. Yeah, Erling Haaland, dude is a masterpiece. Uh, I mean, if no one's, if you haven't seen this goal, like it not only was one of the assists of this of the season, in my opinion, yeah. but the goal itself was out of this world, outside the boot, karate kung fu type kick. Uh, looking at it from different angles on photos, his his hips were shoulder length to the three defenders that were marking him. He was that high. A man that tall should not be able to jump that high. That no. tall and strong. And he can jump that high and he can run as fast as anyone you have on the pitch. Yeah. yeah, It's fucking it insane. And yeah, that ball from Cancelo, like, we, I can't say enough about that. That's that's a Luka Modric-type ball being played for, by a left back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... Like it's it's crazy. There's been so much hype around Holland and KDB, understandably, but it's just you look at that roster all the way through, and they're just so so talented. It's insane. I mean, Cancelo is unreal. I mean, the the, the stuff that he does, literally every single match. Obviously, this is a huge highlight, like a career type highlight. But I mean, the stuff he does every single match is insane. So. He is one of the players that if he gets injured, you don't necessarily think about it. I would say Rodri is in the same boat as that. And I may, maybe one or one or two other midfielders, but you know, usually when you see like say a KDB or Foden uh, get injured, you're like, Oh, like that's not good. But you know, when I think when Pep sees that, and he sees Cancelo or a Rodri go down, he's like, oh, shit, this is going to be bad for my roster. Whereas I think he can – I don't mean – I mean, because KDB is, in my opinion, the best player in the world right now. But if he gets injured, there's another guy behind him that could do that. Whereas I yeah. don't know if there is with Cancelo or with Rodri playing on that middle side. I think John Stones is a little expendable. Mm. Uh, and there's other players on that roster. But, uh, yeah, uh, Joao Cancelo has played – phenomenal this year and, and every year he's he's one of the best players in the world so yeah i i think he's certainly one of the best left backs if not the be- best left back in the world and has been creeping towards that um rank for a, a couple years now and we've seen robertson play a little bit worse in recent years i mean alphonse davies is up there there's a few players but i i just don't think anybody in that position has a class that he does on the ball 
he's reliable off the ball as well. Um, and then again, you got Rodri covering there as well. And yeah, with Fernandino gone now, that does seem like their most vulnerable spot. If Rodri went down, who would fill that gap? Maybe Gundawan could. I don't think he's as stout defensively, but uh, maybe Gundawan could fill that role. But yeah, I think those are probably their two main weaknesses um, depth-wise. But yeah. Uh, yeah, regardless, up there for goal this season. So, the assist, unbelievable, and the finish, insane. So after the match, you know, D- Dortmund has four points. City have six in Group G. Uh, I was pretty impressed with Dortmund, honestly, after that showing. Uh, I was not expecting them to to even be able to hang with Manchester City, let alone look as good as they did. Uh, Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham, yeah. Uh, in this in this Champions League tournament, top top U twenty ones. I would have him and Pedri of Barcelona. Pedri's nineteen. I would have those two as my two top U21 players right now. Uh, I mean, he, Jude Bellingham's looking amazing for them on the mid. Then he's going out to both sides. Like, he, yeah, he's looking phenomenal. If if Gavi would have if Gavi would have hit that that Galazzo belter, I think I maybe would have stuck him in with the top, top U21s, but since he didn't, I had to put Bellingham and then Pedri. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he... I, I don't know much more to say to Jude Bellingham besides for he's most likely going to be playing for Manchester City in a year or two. Future, uh, no, I disagree. Future Liverpool midfielder. Future mm. talisman for Liverpool Football Club. You Finger, hope, right? Fingers are crossed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Liverpool, uh, 2-1 win over Ajax in the dying minutes. Joel Matip, all reliable. It's so good to have him back. The defense missed him a ton. And then that ability to get forward too, obviously, you know, a, a, a goal on a cross in and he's a presence in the box. But on top of that too, he makes a lot of progressive runs forward while Van Dyke stays back. And I think we miss that a little bit. You know, Gomez, I've said I, I had really high hopes for Gomez and he – Wet the bed. Yeah, he just continued to get worse and worse and – it, it it may be a mental thing now where after a couple bad performances, you just kind of go down that that slippery slope. But it, it is very good to have Matt hit back, even as he's aging. He, he hasn't slowed down. He's got that leadership quality about him, too. Yeah, he's, he's got so much confidence and like he's, he's so sh- certain in his game. Even when he makes those runs forward, you just feel confident with him that even if he does pick out the wrong pass, it's it's not a pass that's really going to come back mm-hmm. to bite him in the ass. You know, if, if he plays a ball in the wrong place, it's nothing detrimental usually. Um, and he just doesn't slip up very much in the back. And that was that's the biggest issue with Gomez. I don't mind if he doesn't get forward. Um, but he was just really, really bad in the back and was getting beat when, a lot. When, when uh, I forget this goal score, but when Ajax hit that belter, that, that smoke show howler of a belter that they had, uh, were you thinking, here we go again? Um, no, I, I, I wasn't. I felt like we were in control of the match, and I really liked the team that we put out. I, I really, really liked the starting 11. And again, they had, they had Tiago, right? Tiago was back? Yeah, Tiago was healthy again. I love Harvey being in the starting 11. And then I just think him and Tiago – playing that box to box, it allows Harvey to be a little bit more attacking, a little bit more of a number 10 because Tiago is truly box to box. 
He's super aggressive getting in on tackles. And then you got Fabinho back there to just chop people's ankles. Yeah. So, um, and again, Rabo hasn't been playing super well. I love Simikas in on the left. I think, I mean, I, I think Simikas could start for nearly every club in the world. Um, and he's our backup left back, which is really, really good um, problem to have. I, I do want to see Robertson continue to, you know, get back to his former self, but just having that option to come in in a Champions League match and play the way that he does is, I think, super important and beneficial. We saw Nunez come in. I, I think he's going to take time to adjust, and he's shown that he might take time to adjust. He seems like one of those players that um, he doesn't seem super sharp, like <laughs> mentally, uh, not to shit on him too much. And that can be, you know, there's those memes and those videos of Grealish where it's like this dude is too – this dude's incapable of overthinking a situation. Yeah. Like he, he, you can tell there's just not a lot of thought going on. It's just reacting and playing. Mm -hmm. And Nunez seems like that type of player, but he seems like he's in a position where he's like, all right, I'm a huge signing for a huge club mm -hmm. taking over after, you know, Sadio Mane just left. And it seems like he is thinking, and I would like to just see him just go out and play. Um, and he came in for Jota, um, didn't really do much, but I thought Jota looked really good. I think it's great to have him back as well. I mean, just the fact that we've got Tiago and Jota back, I think makes a huge difference. Yeah. Luis Diaz is reliable to just be an absolute engine on that left side. Um, people talk about how much we've missed Sadio Mane and I think that we have, but as far as work rate goes and pressing and just energy, I feel like that's what we've lacked a lot in the in the attacking third. Mm -hmm. If our press hasn't quite been as sharp as it has been in former years, and, and I think he's one player who's kept up that that work rate. Okay, so I was gonna say because I kind of feel the same as you do, where if you're not pressing high, you're getting ate up in the midfield, and then your defense has always been semi vulnerable. And I think it's looking even more vulnerable because there isn't as much of a midfield presence and the, and the forwards aren't as pressing as they usually are. That's why I actually wanted to ask you, who do you miss more? Do you miss Sadio Mane or do you miss like the golden boot Mo Salah? Cause he has, in my opinion, Mo Salah has been very mediocre, kind of like a human son or a Harry Kane has recently in the last couple of weeks. I would say inform Salah um, just because like I just touched on, I think Diaz can take over that role that Mane played. Obviously, mm -hmm. Mane, world-class, phenomenal player who had proven and solidified himself as a world-class player. And Diaz hasn't quite solidified himself in that role yet, but I, I think that he does bring the energy and the danger that, that Mane brought. Um, and I think if Mo can get back to to the form that we're used to seeing him in, I think that those two can complement each other really well. But again, you know, Diaz was a guy that was a substitute last year where Mo could get 55, 60 minutes into a match playing with, with Mane, who he's super comfortable with. And then Diaz comes on and, and Mo's already settled into the match. So I think it'll take maybe some time for him to click. And then on top of that, you throw in Diaz, you know, if, if or Nunez, excuse me, if Nunez starts, that's two players that he's not super familiar with. 
Um, and I think in the Champions League, you saw with Jota being there, he's he's accustomed to playing with Jota. So I think that's helpful. Um, and same with if, if Firmino's in that spot. But I mean, it's just it's just a lot of moving parts right now. It's it's weird. We're we're kind of in a transitional phase and we picked up really good players last year with Diaz this summer with Nunez and Carvalho. And they're all super talented, but I think it'll just take some time to mesh and for those players to get comfortable. I think Carvalho, um, I think Diaz last year settled in really quickly, and I think Carvalho settled in quickly as well. But I think Nunez is going to take some time, and I think we've seen that as well. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Uh, Harvey Elliott rocking the all-black boots, that is a master class in itself because in order to – in order to be able to rock that look, you have to have game because if not, people just notice you having the ugliest shoes on the pitch. Yeah. He reminded me of Lucas Garza when he played at, uh, <laughs> Iowa, at Iowa, where it's like, dude, this guy is so good. He's wearing white socks and black shoes, and you don't even notice it. Like, yeah. you don't. Like, he is your uncle mowing outside. <laughs> like, that's who he is. Yeah, and Harvey, um, I mean, I, I, I love Elliot, but um... – I think I love him because he's a, just a great balance of he embodies that, that press that, you know, heavy metal style mm -hmm. of football that Klopp talks about all the time, but he's also got the grace and the skill that we've kind of missed a little bit. You know, you, you, you've seen it with Mo, you've seen it with Firmino. Um, but for the most part, it's been a pretty hard nosed team over the last few years as we've seen success. And I, I just think that he embodies, that mentality and also brings that bit of creativity that we've really missed in the midfield. Yeah. So also with group a was Rangers Napoli uh, Rangers at the bottom of the table. Napoli's at the top, right above Liverpool and Ajax. Uh, did you expect the, did you expect Rangers to be as bad as they've shown the last two games? I mean, I know they're in a terrible pairing yeah. of a group, but I expect a little bit more competition than what they've been giving. I mean, they're, they're giving up, oodles of goals oodles yeah i don't know if i expected that but also i i don't think that i put that much thought into rangers honestly um i mean what, we saw them, what the what <laughs> we saw i mean with stevie g not to be a stevie g dick writer here but with him we saw them really thrive and then he left and and they kind of started slipping in the scottish premier league um and, you know, next thing you know, they're in one of the toughest groups probably in, in the Champions League. And so I, I don't know. I, I I guess I didn't really have any expectations for him. But, yeah, I mean, to, to be giving up goals like that, not good. Also, on the contrary, Napoli has been phenomenal. Like, they, they look very dangerous. They seem like they have a chip on their shoulder. And, again, I've I feel like I've mentioned multiple times – I always kind of – I don't want to say expected Napoli to do really well in Serie A the last three or four years, but I I guess I hope that they would. And it mm -hmm. seems like this is the year where they're really like they, – they've got a new identity. You know, Simeone, uh, Kvika, you know, players like that that are, are bringing a little bit of life and like fresh attitude and edge to this team. And it, it, it feels like right now, obviously, we're really early in the season, but it feels like right now they feel like they can achieve anything. And it's really fun to watch a team like that have that kind of attitude. Uh, 
And you throw into the mix Tenge and Dembele, putting in putting in yeah. some goals. And dude, I want to create a burner account for Napoli, where all I do is count how many times he tracks back to play defense. Because if we can get above, <laughs> if we can get above three times in one match, I think I think we're golden. We're golden. Yeah. If if is a, a no key if yeah it I won't pre- happen. No, no, it definitely <laughs> will not happen. Like that dude, if he I fucking love that guy, but I, it will not happen. I forget it was one of Napoli's someone in Napoli's hierarchy pretty much said we're not asking for him to walk on water, we're just hoping that he can tread. Is <laughs> talking about defense. <laughs> so. Also, also the goal that he scored was um Anguisa, who I think has been really, really good for them, a uh, player that I wasn't super familiar with coming into this season, I think has looked really, really solid this year. Um, he regained possession from a Rangers defender who was just a terrible player, Rangers defender. I forget who it was, but he got the ball back, probably could have had a shot on goal. And, I mean, it's 2-0 at this point late in the match, selfishly, you wouldn't have blamed any player for taking that shot. And he just cuts it back and lays it off to Ndombele, who has pretty much an open net at this point. And I think that shows a lot, too, um, about the team and about the character of the team, that unselfishness, that, like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to take a chance on on scoring a goal for myself and maybe we go and win 2-0. Like, I'm, I'm going to continue to do things the unselfish way and and – involve my teammates go up three now and and make the match even more dominant so i was really impressed with that i've been super impressed with anguisa and love to see Ndombele score goals. I, I i think that shit's contagious like yeah if, absolutely if, if you see someone on your team doing that like oh he doesn't care about the stats he cares more about the the guarantee goal i think that matters um I think as a whole, I, I expect Napoli and Liverpool both to walk out of this. What about you after two games in for Group A? As well. Um, I mean, I, I think Liverpool still have to improve quite a bit to to be back where they were. But I think that they're getting there. And obviously having several players back from injury. I mean, Jota, Thiago, and Matip, those are players in each level of, you know, one defender, huge defender, huge midfielder, and huge attacker back healthy again um not to make excuses for the way that they performed earlier in the season obviously you've you've added depth and invested in the team for a reason so that's no excuse for everything that's happened up to this point but getting those players back is enormous um and i'm happy with the 2-1 win over ix even if it comes in the 89th minute i mean ix has proven for 50 years that they're a threat in europe so I'm very happy with that result, and I, I think that it's up from here. It, it felt it felt like a, a nice breath of fresh air as a Liverpool supporter. Not much to talk about from Group B. Uh, kind of surprising, I guess. Uh, Club Bruges is uh, at the top of the table with six points, and then Leverkusen and uh, Atletico Madrid with three. And then in last place with zero points is Porto. Uh, not much, I guess, to talk about there. I, I, I will say at a couple months from now, as the first round is uh, moving on to the knockout stage, uh, I will say Atletico Madrid is going to be questioned on their overall tactics, on how they handle everything, because, uh, I mean, they're considered a, a top club, and for them to not make it out of the group stage is pretty 
uh, compared to Leverkusen and Bruges, especially, that would be a big deal. But I think as of right now, it's, it is what it is. Yeah, Diego Simeone transferred all of his power to his son in Napoli. Um, yeah. So who knows? Who knows how that'll pay off for him? Bold move. But uh, yeah, Club Bruges beat the brakes off of Porto 4 0. Very surprising. They, they look actually really fun. Like yeah. they seem like a fun little team that that's everyone a, wants. To that's know. the hipster club for this yeah. Champions League. You know we love a good hipster club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Milan also bounced back. Um, that's a team that I put my money on. If Liverpool don't win the Champions League, I need financially. I need Milan to uh, <laughs> to cover for me here. Yeah. But uh, they beat Dynamo Zagreb three one. Mislav Orsic scored again. He's a Champions League threat. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur killer scored twice, twice or once last week. Yeah. Um, so against or scored once against to, to beat Chelsea last week. Excuse me. So this is groupie. Milan is in first, then Dynamo Zagreb. You were just talking about Salzburg, and then in last place, your Chelsea FC, uh, the beautiful London squad that everyone wants to piss on, including me. Uh, with one point, uh, definitely not. Graham Potter's debut that you would want. Um, I mean, it's looking pretty daunting them in last place, and they still have to play Milan twice, not just once, twice. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I, I still expect them to get out of it uh, on top of Salzburg and Dynamo Zagreb, but you never know. Like you really don't, and it's not looking too good for them right now. Yeah, man. I mean, Zagreb has has looked decent. Obviously, the loss to Milan, but. I don't know. I mean, I think they're missing a number nine, and I'm happy for Lukaku's sake that he got. To I was, go was going to say, can you imagine if they had Lukaku right now with Graham Potter? Graham Potter's like, God bless America. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm happy for Lukaku's sake that he got to go back to Inter, but they're just missing a number nine. It's like, you know, we've talked time and time again about players adjusting to the Prem, and obviously he's played in the Prem before, but. After spending some time in Italy, you feel like he probably needed more than a year. And I feel like all the negative press and and the stuff internally with him and Tuchel probably just kind of pressured him and and Chelsea as a club for him to go back to Inter. And it feels like this is a season that he probably could thrive in. I mean, they've got Havertz, they've got Mount, they've got Sturridge out on the wing. And I think he would have paired really well with Sturridge. And I don't know, it's it's just, you never know how it would have turned out, but I, I just feel like they have a lot of players playing out of place. I mean, you see Havertz and Mount haven't looked great this year, and it's because it, it feels like they're playing multiple different roles at any given time. And you've got those holding midfielders in Kovacic, Conte, Jorginho, they all sort of play similar positions, but it feels like Mount, and Havertz are, are kind of being shifted around in, in just weird roles. And it doesn't feel like anything solidified or cemented for any of these players individually. And it affects the team overall. And even, I mean, defensively as well, they've put so much into investing in their defense and they're still getting scored on uh, pretty regularly. It's just, it, it feels like they're in a weird position right now and they're going with the wingbacks again, you know, James, Cucurella, and it doesn't seem like they're getting a whole lot out of them. And 
I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it feels like they're just in another transitional phase as well with all these signings. And that's the thing. I feel like social media and just increased media in general with these transfer windows, there's so much hype around bringing in new signings. But I think people forget how much it takes to glue all those signings together. And it's like, oh, they spent, you know, 250 million in the offseason. They're going to be the greatest Premier League team ever assembled. And it's like, no, it, it takes time for these people to figure out their role within the team. And on top of that, when you don't have a, a true striker, it's like, all right, that's great if you can create build-up play and, and Cucurella can can swing one into the box. But who's there to finish it? Sturridge, who's shorter than I am. Um, like Pulisic, who's just kind of running around when he comes on in the 80th. Like It just seems like there's been a lot of investment with not a ton of direction. It's, it's just been, let's just spend some money on, on big players and see what happens. Kind of sounds like you're describing Chelsea as a dumpster fire, which I definitely appreciate and love so much. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's a dumpster fire. It's just I, I think fans in general, there's so much pressure from press and fans where it's like, hey, you spent money. You you have to be good. Money equals yeah. you're good. And it's you, like, no, this shit's going to take time probably. You, you referenced that they haven't like gelled together, glued together yet. But I think if there was one person who can get them to glue together, it's definitely going to be Graham Potter. Um, I think it's just going to take some time. You know, he just kind of got thrown into the mix. And uh, I think it is going to take a little bit of time for him to realize who on the roster is like at right wing back. You know, do you stick a bench well in there or do you do or excuse me, bench well does a left side. Do you do chill well or like who else can you do at the at the backs position? There's so much depth there that I don't think he really knows what he has and how to uh, utilize them into the best uh, of their abilities. Yeah. And I mean, he was hired and. Four or five days later, six days later, he's got a Champions League match. So yeah, it's a tough position first, to be in. I, as far as I know, it's the first he's managed as well. Like I don't know any. Yeah. I don't. I don't know his full uh, Wikipedia page tracking where he <laughs> else has been. But uh, so other groups that we haven't discussed yet is Group C, F, and H. F is a uh, Real Madrid, Shakhtar, Celtic, and Leipzig. Sounds pretty sexy saying it, but uh, not much going on there. Real Madrid uh, didn't wet the bed like they usually have in years past, dropping points to Shakhtar Celtic. They did not do that. They beat the the brakes off of Leipzig. Uh, so they're in full control of Group F. Um, the one I wanted to talk about, Keegs, is uh, Group C and Group H. Group H is PSG, Benfica, your Juventus. I, I'm saying your but it's not really. It's You're just a Serie A guy. And then uh, Maccabi Haifa. Uh, so PSG and Benfica are both six points and your Juve, man, dude, zero points. Are they the biggest disappointment for a big club with struggles going in the knockout stage or you, you still think Chelsea or Barcelona or what are you thinking? Probably them and Chelsea. Um, I mean, both of them are Chelsea has one point and Juve has zero points. Like they're all. I think they're all in similar situations too. And I, you know, just harped on Chelsea being in that transitional phase, bringing players in. We've talked several times about Juve being in that transitional phase as well. Um, Vlahovic sort of settled in, but Chiesa coming back from injury, their defense, they've got Bremer back there. But on, you know, besides that, um, Chiellini is left, Barzagli, Bonucci aging. Um, 
or Bonucci aging, excuse me. Um, Delict left. Quadrado sort of in this weird, like, I'm going to play right back. I might play right mid. I might play right winger. Um, I just feel like they're in a weird place on top of that positionally. They've, they've shown some really weird patterns where their midfield is just sort of non-existent. Um, and I, I do think that they need a true, I'm going to control the game midfielder. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, you see that with Real Madrid, especially in the Champions League. You see that with Real Madrid. Cruz, Modric, those players have been so pivotal, pivotal in all of their Champions League runs. And I, I think that's what separates City is having a KDB, a Gundogan, even a Bernardo Silva at times. Um, Bayern have that, even with Musiala, as young as he is. Muller can drop back and play that role. Um, Sané can even come in from from wide and play that role to an extent. Goretzka, I mean, I, I feel like that's what Liverpool are missing. I feel like that's what Juve are missing. At times, I feel like that's what PSG are missing a little bit, even though they've got Verratti. You just need that person who's going to dictate the entire match. And um, I feel like Juve doesn't have that. They've got Vlaovic up top who can create a ton on his own and, and bury chances when he gets them. But I, I just don't think that they've got that guy. So I, I think they've been poor. Um, and then I think Barcelona is in a similar, similar situation where they've just got so much going on that there's no real stability. I, I, I don't think clubs can perform like that on a European stage when there's just no identity to the team. It's such a transitional phase that Barcelona isn't Barcelona, Juve isn't Juve, Chelsea isn't Chelsea. Like, th- there is no identity, or I don't know that the, there's just no like soul and purpose to the team, and 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 pride in the in the badge and and identity is i guess the only word i'm trying to think of another word to describe it but it it comes down to that identity and in that character and pedigree you know uve looks lost they they were playing at home i think all three of them look lost yeah uve was at home got a goal in like the fourth or fifth minute and then gave up a penalty right before half and then gave up a goal right after they made some not I wouldn't say changes to the roster, but they made some some logistical changes on how they're going to set up formation, and then they give up a goal within ten minutes of the first of the second half. So it's like, and this is to Benfica. I'm not saying Ben. I'm not dissing on Benfica, but there is a class difference between Juventus and Benfica when it comes to quality players, in my opinion. And for Juve to to not show up in anywhere after the 15th minute in my opinion did not look good and it kind of reminded me of, in a weird way of PSG how like if PSG isn't going well like they they are not a good looking team granted they have a ton more talent than Juve yeah. so it can kind of show through a little bit more but it yeah it just doesn't look good with Juve right now yeah and again it's it's that heart and I I kind of went on a long-winded way of saying this but it's that heart it's that identity and it's that pedigree and again this is where you see Real Madrid shine through in the Champions League, where it's like Barcelona, Juve, Chelsea, they're in transitional st- stages. 
as clubs, but even when Real Madrid has been in that transitional stage, you know, Bale aging and kind of weaning out of the side, Ronaldo leaving, like the class is still there. The class is permanent. And it doesn't feel like that with Chelsea. It doesn't feel like that even with Barcelona at times, as as crazy as it is to say about Barcelona. um, And certainly not with Chelsea. It feels like in these transitional stages, they have these lulls where they still lose that class. Whereas with Real Madrid, it, it has never felt like they've lost that flicker of danger. Like it's always present. You could go up 5-1 over Real Madrid and it could be the 75th minute and you're still sweating. Yeah. Car- it doesn't Car- feel like that with the rest of them. Carlos got his 100th uh, Champions League victory for Real Madrid as well. Uh, I mean, they are, they're always going to be class. There's times where they'll uh, not – perform i guess to their quality but as a whole like yeah i mean everyone does not expect real madrid not to make it to the round of 16 like they no. that's where they belong every year you're in you're out um and i think a lot of it does have to do with their backbone which is the midfield of real madrid and that's exactly mm-hmm. what you were talking about previously uh the only person you didn't really talk about was uh federico valverde uh from real madrid uh he is coming alert. On, he is yeah exactly and he is coming on as one of the top midfielders in the world right now like i am totally on board for this dude right now and yes he did have a belter and it wasn't just a belter it was a class ass belter and it was a one-timer that is my belter of the week uh there was like three of them i had but that was one of them so yeah yeah and i think that's the thing as well you know going back to chelsea bringing in all these big money signings last year two years ago we also saw them spend a hundred 50 170 million um and with real everything is progressive and i think this is something that pep does really well with city also is everything is progressive where you see these players maybe either get signed or else come up through the academy before they're ready to be starting in a certain role like starting in the midfield chuameni was brought in at the end of last year and he was kind of like coming in for Casemiro. Same with Camavinga. And Valverde has been there for a few years now. And they've gotten that exposure. They've gotten those Champions League minutes. They've gotten those La Liga minutes. And now that it's their time, Casemiro's left. Chuameni's the guy. Um, Camavinga had performed super well in the Champions League last year, all throughout the season. And Valverde as well. They've all gotten that exposure. And it's it's not like that's the issue with those quick summer signings where every fan in the media just expects a team to be expects a team to just click and figure it out when they've never played together. Whereas these guys have trained together, they've played together, you know, come in, in the 75th minute and play together in Champions League, La Liga, etc. And I think that's what you have to do. You have to bring these players in and gradually bring them into the squad where they mesh together rather than just spending money over the summer and and expecting things to just click right off the bat. Uh, and I think that's why Real Madrid will continue to just dominate Champions League. So Real Madrid, so. Real Madrid's biggest competition of all time, Barcelona in Group C with Bayern, Inter Milan and Victoria Pilsen. 
Uh, it's shaping up after two games. Bayern with six points, Barcelona with three, Inter with three, and then uh, Victoria Pilsen with zero. Uh, Bayern-Barca was, in my opinion, the game of the week when it comes to the Champions League. Uh, Bayern walked away with a 2-0 victory. Uh, a lot going on when it comes to both teams. Uh, Bayern, I was questioning how they're going to get goals without Lewandowski. And I think they're just going to throw the fastest dudes in the world on a pitch and let them just eat. And that's what they did. Uh, Rafinha, love Rafinha for Barca. And he could not keep up with Alfonso Davies in that first half. Like they had to logistically move his ass to the other side of the field because he was not able to keep up with Alfonso Davies throughout the game. Uh, and then, I mean, Bayern just hit him. They hit him in the second half. and. Got a goal off of a corner kick that was a so-so, whatever, you know. It was a good goal, good set piece. And then, I mean, just absolute class by Leroy Sané. Uh, I forget the the announcers who were on CBS, I, but they're they're kind of like the, the, top, the top game for CBS is who this group is, and that's who was doing the Bayern Barca. But the Scott, I think he's Scottish. He just pretty much oozes and ahs and makes, like, sex noises while – while like actually, <laughs> while actually like commentating on the game, he just oozes and ahs, and he said something along the lines after Leroy Sané. He said something like, "That is straight class. That ball was on him throughout that so directly that it was like a teenager and his cell phone." Is how he described <laughs> how he described the ball on his foot. It's like a. Teenager it sounds like Ray Hudson. Foot. Was Ray Hudson covering that? I, I, it might have been Ray Hudson. I'll double might check have, yeah. that. But uh, did you see that? And what do you expect from Group C with Bayern, Barca, and Inter? With Barca and Inter both with three points. I expect Inter to come out of that again. Um, them and AC Milan both. I feel like are building that that pedigree back up in that that tradition back up and I don't know. I think Barcelona is just in a weird place not to harp on it again, but I just think they're in a weird place. And I think Inter's got a little bit more. I, I just think that they're, they're better suited to, to last the champions league group stages and get through than Barcelona is. And I think Byron's through easily. Yeah. By, I mean, with that win, definitely through easily. Uh, and I think Leroy Sané also has seemed extremely comfortable like I said earlier, he, he's drifting in towards the middle. He's kind of free roaming and just seems like liberated almost to be to be in Bayern. Um, he seems like he has total control and freedom to, to kind of roam wherever he wants and create however he wants to. And it meshes. It's one thing to have that freedom, and it's another thing to have that mesh in with the rest of the team, the other 10 players around you. And it seems like it's meshing in really well. Is there anything else that you think about Inner moving forward? Um, they don't seem as sharp as a year and a half ago, but I, again, I, I do think that they're good enough to get through. I think they're better than Barcelona right now. Okay. Yeah, I'm pulling up the schedule moving forward. Uh, Bayern play. So the next round of games is in October. And Bayern plays Victoria Pilsen, and that is when Inter and Barcelona play as well on October 4th. So that will, I think, decide the table, the groups, I think, will be that game. It is important, too. I'm not sure who who Barcelona has in La Liga, but just looking at Serie A, 
Inter has Udinese next this coming weekend, who's been really, really good. And then they've got Roma, who's brightened up a little bit over the last week and a half or so. And then they've got Sassuolo, who's a threat as well, um, leading up to October. So pretty tough Serie A schedule coming up for them the next three weeks. Which obviously will play into things. So I'd say that's enough Champions League talk. Anything else you want to get into? I mean, we're I uh, we're fifty five minutes in already. <laughs> no, the I I don't want to talk about Europa at all because it was a dumpster fire throughout the day. Trying to even <laughs> think about that, but the only thing I will say, Manchester United, we were like I was. I, I'm saying we. I was celebrating them being shit on all the beginning of the season. Uh, Ten Hag has got those boys rolling, and I'm not even saying boys. He got Christian Eriksen rolling. Did you expect him to be bossing the midfield like he has been the last three or four games? As a 30-plus-year-old, uh, he's like 32, 33, I want to say. Yeah, maybe not as well as he has, but I do think that's the type of player that they needed to um, – him and, and Bruno and then obviously Casemiro being in there as well for a, that defensive mid. And I, I just think defensively, you know, that, that opens up the midfield to have a more reliable defense than they have in two and a half years with Lissandro and, and Veron back there. I, uh, I don't want to say it's a ballsy move to finally remove Maguire from that rotation, but I think it's a move that needed to happen and, I'm, I'm glad that it did happen because it does free up the midfield a little bit. I think they're a little bit less worried about what's behind them and they can be a little bit more forward thinking. And then on top of that as well, I mean, Jaden Sancho's played better. You open things up out wide and that takes more pressure off the midfield. So the midfield has had pressure taken off of them by the defense being better. And then um, also in the attacking front, just having players be a little bit more creative like Sancho. I think it's beneficial too. So, yeah, I, I think Erickson's been good. I, I don't know if I expect him to be this good, but I did think that he would fit in pretty well. Uh, do you have any booze cheers, belters? What do you got? Uh, my belter, no boozer cheers, which is pretty standard for me lately. I feel like I've been slacking there, but. Um, well, my... let, let, let me do my belt or let me do my boo and cheer first so we can talk about that real quickly. Okay. Uh, my boo is for the World Cup kits. Dude, I said it last week, two weeks ago. Most of them are pretty well shat when it comes down to it. Uh, yeah. USA's especially. Like, it looks like a training kit. And I feel like a lot of them look like training kits. Is that what's up? Why, why is this? I don't know if that's just laziness from Nike or what, but yeah, they, they've just kind of got the same um, like template for a bunch of uniform. It, it looks like when FIFA, when there were like countries that, that you wouldn't play with that often on FIFA, like you would play with them in an international match and they just had like the standard like FIFA template for a, a jersey and it didn't actually look like their jersey in real life. <laughs> with like just, the, was like, just, just the flag on the front of yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> they were like, hey, we're just not going to take the time to, to create them a, a, a specific jersey. Yeah. That feels like it's what Nike's doing right now, pretty much. Uh, I totally agree with you. And I'm. And it, it just, yeah, it seems lazy. Very much disappointed with it. Yes. 
Uh, and the so, U.S. ones, the 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 white ones look like a training kit. The blue ones are actually halfway yeah, decent. Yeah, they're they're all right. No, definitely. Um, so Group G, this is my boo, or no, excuse me, this is my cheer. Uh, Group G, we have Manchester City, Dortmund, Copenhagen, and Sevilla. Copenhagen and Sevilla battled the bastards. Each have one point after two games in. Uh, Sevilla traveled to Copenhagen. Uh, for their match and Copenhagen, the stadium that they played in uh, had workers from the Copenhagen came. Did I just cut out? Yeah, I still can't hear you. Sorry. That's Sorry, a... I, I, I was on mute there to let you go. Oh, okay. Uh, the workers from Copenhagen, you cut out after that. Yes. So the workers from Copenhagen uh, passed out free beers to all the supporters that came to support Sevilla. So a bunch of Spanish uh, tourists, pretty much, came and they gave them free beers. So that is my nice. cheer. That's a great um, cheer, yeah. Yeah, great cheer. We we love free beer. We love beer in general, and that's just kind of part of the podcast. Like that's what we are nice. part of. Um, so yeah, the more we can uh, sprinkle a little beer on top of everyone, the better. So perfect. I do have a boo, uh, Todd Bully, Chelsea owner. Oh geez, um, I wanted it. To, yeah, yeah, Go yeah. I, I thought about bringing this up earlier when we were talking Chelsea, but um, I don't hate the idea of proposing new ideas and money generating ideas and especially the idea of generating money for the football pyramid in England. That, However, that's, to, that's the only good thing about this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, in, in theory, I, I like the, you know, the, um, the generation of thought here, but to come in and, and just present it the way that he did. Um, I think the premier league could take a lesson from American sports is it seems it, it, it came off. Maybe he didn't mean it this way, but um, just being a, you know, billionaire American business owner who just took the reins of Chelsea to come in and say, yeah, I think the premier league could take a lesson from American sports and incorporate, you know, an all-star game and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, just seemed very narcissistic and, and just very like, Hey man, let's try and understand maybe the culture of this sport before we start proposing business ideas. And it's just a terrible look again for American business owners coming into not just a, a sport they don't understand or a league that they don't understand, but there's an entire culture surrounding this league and this sport worldwide that you don't understand or comprehend. And, and you're pretty much insulting it by saying something like that. So I think the idea of, of generating new, you know, um, promotional ideas and, and stuff like that is, is great. But I just think that the, I think you went about it with zero tact or awareness and it, it came off really, really poorly. So I get, so the, the thing I like about it is that he was talking about uh, funding the pyramid, which is yep. like not the championship, but let's say league one, league two, like everyone underneath it. So third, fourth, fifth, sixth division, English football um, yeah. is where they want to put the money. But at the same time, uh, 
I mean, you talk to, say, let's say basketball, you talk to a Luka Modric or a Giannis Antetokounmpo, and they're going to literally be like, bro, the All-Star game, not worth it. Like, it's it's just a fan service at that point, and yeah. it's a risk of injury. And especially mm-hmm. when you're playing soccer during a season when there's a shit ton of games nonstop, and then there's the World Cup to put in yeah. it. Like, yeah. too much. Way too much. Way too much. And, yeah, I I – I, I don't ever want to see it. Uh, I I don't need to see Cristiano Ronaldo playing with fucking Kevin De Bruyne. I don't need to see that. Like it doesn't <laughs> matter to me. So uh, my belter Real Betis um, won three two today over Ludo Goretz and a banger from the legend Joaquin. Forty one years old and That's- still scoring belters in the Europa League. That is it. I was yeah. going to say, how old is that? At? How old is that dude? 41 years old. That yeah. is wild. And it was a belter. It's on the Twitter page. Follow us at Bruce and Belters on Twitter.com. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, I know we didn't really get into Europa. One last little shout out I'll give. Um, I thought Stade Ren looked good. Uh, they ended up slipping up and, and blew their 2 0 lead, but. Um, Lovro Maher, who is a, a Croatian midfielder that they've brought in to replace Kamavinga, has looked really good in the year, year and a half that he's been there. Um, and Martin Terrier scored a goal, and then we we put this on the page as well. Um, scored a goal, and then a no-look pass from midfield, through ball to Maher. Maher, um, or maybe it's pronounced Maher, I'm, I'm not really sure. But did a little step over, beat the keeper, and slide one in. Yeah, very very pretty goal. Uh, and, um, beautiful goal with with the mask on, by the way. That, that with the mask on, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Terry, I mean, in in general, Terry is twenty five years old, um, from Lille originally. Played at Lyon for a, a year or two, and has been at Rennes for two years, and has put up serious numbers. Pacey winger. Um, known for for very good finishing, but can also be a playmaker as we saw today as well. So definitely somebody to keep an eye on and a duo to keep an eye on. And I think Ren will uh, will have some success this year in Europa. They lead their group currently. So the only thing I have is uh, Belter wise is uh, I, I'm split between two different ones: Marco Asensio of Real Madrid, and then uh, John Stones. I'm going to go with John Stones. That dude is not meant to be booming belters, and he boomed one for us. Uh, yeah. And not only that, but it kick-started City because City, City looked kind of stagnant. And I didn't bring this up earlier, but I think there is some discussion to be made about Erling Haaland covering up the signing of Jack Grealish and how abysmal Jack Grealish has been for that team over the last year and a half. Like he has not looked good at all, and in my opinion, I, I think he's he's on the roster and he's fine. He'll be good for most Premier League games and everything else, minus maybe some Champions League. But uh, he has not looked at all, Jack Grealish, that we had at Villa, and I wouldn't mind him leaving City after this year and going somewhere where he could get a little bit more breathing time and uh, get some. Uh, some minutes under his belt with a team that actually plays the style that he is, which is a ball at feet, you know, whereas he's playing right now in a passing system and it's not working for him. 
Yeah, and he does play really, really wide as well. Um, like we see him basically on the touchline pretty often, and especially with the signing like Holland, you know, it allows City to play a little bit more direct through the middle. So, yeah, yeah, it it is interesting to see him sort of try and settle in last year, and and now he's got to try and settle in with a completely different number nine up up top that nope. allows him to play a different style. I mean, of course, we're distracted by the Cavs. And the Gu- and the Gucci contract, but true, true. at the end of the day, you got to produce football to be played. Yeah. You got to produce Jack Craylish. You got to produce. Yeah. So that's it, man. That's it. Right? Yeah, that's all we got. Um, Episode sixty nine. Holy shit, milestone! In the books. Let's go. In the books. Um, very things. quick note: a few Premier League matches this weekend. Um, we have got AC Milan and Napoli, which will be a great one. Um, other than that, Udinese versus Inter will be really good match as well. And then Roma versus Atalanta. Atalanta now sits in second. Roma is hanging on to fifth. They're tied with Udinese. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Udinese is fifth, right? And they were middle to bottom of the pack last year, weren't they? Yeah. 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 I, so I think Udinese, I could be wrong. I think Udinese is fourth, but they're tied with Roma on points for fifth. Okay. I think they're just above them on goal differential. So big week in, the, in, in Serie A. Um, last one before the international break yeah yeah no so especially with a couple premier league matches being uh canceled definitely tune in to seria this week love it let's go all right cheers cheers